All right, hey everybody, this is Billy Rain from Direct Motocross. It is week number nine for the Direct Motocross Friday update here, and number nine would be a gentleman who, uh, well, man, this guy is now defending MX and Triple Crown champion in the 450 class up here in Canada. I have got Dylan Wright on the phone. Dylan, thank you very much for talking with us. Hey, Billy, yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for giving me a call here. Should, uh, should be good. Got some interesting stuff coming up, so yeah. All right, good man. And like I say, we're gonna do this as a podcast, so we can kind of uh, we can kind of drift around, talk about some different things. I mean, it's kind of funny. I was thinking earlier that uh, I haven't known you that long, but because you're so young, I've known you for a huge part of your life. Exactly. I mean, I feel like I feel like you've kind of had the fight and been around the track basically since I started racing. I feel like <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. It is. It's kind of weird. I mean, how old are you now, Dylan? I turned 23 in September. So. 20, 20, do you feel old? I mean, I remember in my early 20s, for some reason, I felt old. I mean, I guess some days, maybe when my body aches a little bit when I get up, maybe I feel a little bit older, but um, no, not too bad. I mean, obviously, I've been raised, like, I feel like in my professional career, maybe I feel a little bit older than in life in general. <laughs> but uh just because i've been doing it for so long i mean i turned pro when i was 15 16 so had a few years under my belt and uh but, you know it's always been fun right right hey, hey i won't go too much into your history i mean we've certainly done that before i got you got a whole bunch of stuff going on now i want to talk about last season and everything and but uh, the one thing i will ask you is uh kind of my favorite question i the 539 was that your first ever number and what the, why, why did you pick that number i think we've asked you this before but yeah, so that's kind of an interesting story. I was actually uh, 117 for the longest time. Um, oh, and that's kind of got a story behind it, too, because Tyler Medallia, who was kind of our local pro at Sandalee, when I was growing up, he was kind of like the hot shot, you know, intermediate going pro guy. And I always looked up to him. So when he turned pro, I asked him if I could, you know, have his amateur number. And uh, <laughs> so I ran that for a long time. And then my grandpa actually passed away when I was maybe 12, 13. And he used to race horses back in the day. So kind of in his memory, I switched my number to 539 because he was born in May 1939. I feel like that's kind of where I got my racing roots from and uh, where I got kind of, you know, my skill for riding stuff in general and, you know, kind of my racecraft. So that's kind of why I went to that, kind of just in memory of my grandfather. Oh, cool. Hey, this is how this is how different our ages are. Your grandfather was born five thirty nine. My dad was born in uh, five thirty nine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> six thirty nine. I don't actually. want to make you old there, but <laughs> six thirty nine. Sorry, yeah, I'm a lot younger. It was a month later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, there you go. All right, so that's uh, there's the generation uh, <laughs> gap right there for sure. All right, so, um, yeah, I guess I do have some photos of you with the 117 on the little Yamaha YZ80 back at uh, the TransCan. Yeah, yeah, so I ran that number actually for a while when I was 50, 60, 85s, and then I switched when I went to, like, the 1216 class, I believe, because uh, Michael De Silva um, always had 117 as well growing up, so we were always, like, fighting for numbers at, the cha like, the amateur championships and stuff. <laughs> Um, so it kind of just became a pain in the butt on like who would draw the shortest straw to switch their number. Um, so, uh, I kind of changed and then, and then my, obviously my grandpa passed away. So it kind of gave me a reason to change and 
you know, just some a number that not every I feel like three or four guys had it back when we were racing. Right, was Ricky Dietrich was he a five thirty nine? Why did that pop into my head? I have no idea. That is a good question. <laughs> sure. I got a lot of weird things rattling around up here. But uh, you know what's funny is how you remember that. You remember the Michael De Silva. Of course, I do have lots of photos of him with the 117 and stuff. But it's funny how you remember that. I remember a guy last name Brown stole my number 45 one year back, way back in my day. And I still, I don't know him. I don't know who he is, but I still hold a grudge. <laughs> okay, you know, it's funny because Michael, well, Michael and I kind of battled a lot growing up, right? Like he was kind of... Um, one of the faster kids from Quebec and I was kind of one of the faster kids from Ontario. So we'd always link up at like some of the bigger amateur races. Um, so yeah, I was, I was had a, I was had a good time, uh, racing him. We always battled pretty hard. Yeah, for sure. Hey, that, that, uh, what, uh, I know I, again, I've, man, I've seen, uh, Michael at races all over the place, Texas, you know, everywhere. Uh, did you, what did you do for your, in your amateur days? Where, how far away did you go? The furthest I ever kind of did was um, Loretta's, I guess, growing up on small bikes. Uh, I went there a couple times. Um, but other than that, um, we didn't do like all the spring nationals and all the big stuff in the U.S. Well, partly because it was expensive for my family to do it. And two, I mean, my dad kind of felt like it was almost a waste of money to go do like minios or anything like that because the track time really wasn't there for that. And he kind of had a different philosophy of, you know, if we use that time and the money to put into like my practice program and practice fights and stuff that I would end up further ahead. And that was kind of just the way that we did it. Um, just basically save on some, uh, save on some cash to keep, uh, to keep the boat afloat, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, um, I mean, your dad had some, had some, uh, you know, theories and stuff like that. He kept you on the two stroke for a long time. And I think, I think as a media guy, we all thank him for that because some of my best memories are just listening to you screaming that thing around and and the photos of you just tossing the uh, the 125 and stuff like that, the, the two strokes around. Looking back, do you think uh, staying on that taught you more about momentum and going fast kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. In the long run, I believe it, uh, it helped me, um, you know, like you say, carry momentum, especially like on the 250, on the 2DF and stuff. It taught you not to get lazy. Um, taught me to like always carry momentum and and stuff like that. But the one thing it did teach me too is I had to use the clutch a little bit more <laughs> on the two stroke to keep the revs up and stuff. And that may have hurt me a little bit when I went to the four stroke. And I mean, for me, I had to make the transition my first year pro um, to a four stroke two fifty F from a two fifty two stroke. So that transition wasn't exactly easy and i mean i had some i had some issues with the four stroke trying to get used to it and stuff like that i went through some engines um but i mean now looking back i think it it definitely helped me in the long run of my career in moto just because riding a two-stroke does teach you a lot of good stuff um because you can't get away with getting lazy and you know having bad technique you gotta you gotta make sure everything is almost like picture perfect so I think it, it in the short run of my first couple of years pro, I think I probably should have rode a 250F a couple times before, <laughs> um, before that. But in the long run, I do think it, it definitely helped me out. But it was also for my family. I mean, it was a little bit cheaper to run the two-stroke and my dad knew how to work on it and, you know, change pistons and stuff when I was, you know, at that, when I was 13, 14 riding them. So, um, that was also kind of the other thing why I rode them because it was easy for, for my dad to work on and stuff like that. It just kind of made sense. 
Right, right. Now, and talk, just talking about your dad, Bill, right, we're talking about here. We go way back in that, uh, remember he was, uh, he started up that whole uh, pirate radio thing on the top of the, uh, on the bus at Sandalee back in the day. Remember that? Uh, I was actually still, I was young, man. I was like <laughs> 60s, I think. And uh, yeah, but he used to, not a lot of people know that, but he used to actually work in, in high tech and do like build firewalls and a bunch of stuff that I don't even understand. Oh, wow. Um, way back in the day before I was racing and stuff, but then, um, you know, kind of life gets busy and he, um, wanted to spend more time with the family and stuff. So he got actually out of that and, uh, got rid of his business because he actually had a business with it. Two other guys, um, doing that and was flying everywhere. But, uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of did it for my brother and I. So he'd have more time at home with us. He got out of it. And yeah, so he kind of did that because he knew, he knew how to do it and he knew it wasn't, uh, super complicated but no one was really doing it at the time so yeah he thought it was cool and uh i mean i thought it was cool because i got to meet all the all the top riders when they when they'd come over and talk to my dad i guess right that's right i remember i was running around trying to grab all the all the riders to come over and go up on the bus and talk with bill so it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of a kind of a fun day back then that was uh that was pretty good but uh hey those were mx form back then right oh yeah that's that, right the pink palace that car and everything i remember that the what sorry with the with the old what, what kind of car was that? That old car with the oh man, that was a 1989 Buick Electra Buick, estate yeah. wagon. Yeah, I remember that thing from growing up. I seen it at the race. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, those those were good times. Good times. I kind of wish I still had that thing. <laughs> it ended up in a demolition yeah. derby, and that's uh, that's that seems about right. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> hey, now I know I, I know I said I wasn't going to go over your history a lot, but uh, something I like to kind of touch on, I, I, I don't know, I always like this part of this, people's stories, but you were a good student in school, right? Pretty decent, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> I got, definitely got my smarts from my mom, I think. <laughs> um, and because uh, she was always pretty good in school, and so was I, but I mean, I guess it was back then, I didn't know where motocross was going to take me obviously it was a big part of my life but I feel like my parents were smart you know they didn't let me kind of take the homeschool route and stuff like that they wanted me to finish my high school and they kind of made sure that I did well in school just in case you know I needed it as a backup plan because I mean who knows with moto right an injury or any little setback can kind of knock you off to your track that you like I always wanted to make it to the top but you never know sure. um stuff can happen along the way so my parents always pushed me hard to be good in school as well, just to have a backup plan. If I wanted to go to university or, you know, go to college or anything like that, they wanted to make sure that I always had that as a plan. And I'm actually still looking at doing maybe some courses in the next year or two to, um, you know, kind of further some off the bike stuff and, um, you know, add to my portfolio, I guess. Right. I was going to ask you, like, say motocross didn't work out what to what what does interest you schooling wise and career wise any like you know what i mean what what else would you be doing and actually i kind of i go i go on phases of stuff <laughs> that kind of interests me but i guess the thing that interests me maybe the most is business i've always had kind of had a business mentality with everything that i've done you know you're either your first or your last kind of thing and uh yeah, so I, I would say probably business and finance and stuff like that would interest me. So I'm actually looking at taking a few business courses, um, you know, down the road and 
that's probably what I'll end up doing after moto anyways. <laughs> oh, good. We could use some help around here at direct motocross. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we need a business guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, especially in these times, it's, a, it's been, uh, it's been not ideal for a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Well, Hey, um, let's jump, let's jump way ahead now to last season. I mean, uh, obviously things kind of came together for you in the 250 class the last couple of seasons. And then, uh, man, up to the 450 class, you know, we call it your rookie. It was your rookie season in the 450 class, but, uh, man, did mm-hmm. you surprise yourself or what, uh, how did you feel out there, man? you like, especially let's talk motocross. Like, but, uh, talk about the motocross series. Were you surprised at how well he did? Yeah, a little bit. Obviously, going into the season, I knew the competition wasn't going to be easy. I mean, you have Dirk, Phil, um, T-Dags, Thompson, you know, like a lot of top guys, obviously, that have been doing it a long time as well, and some champions. And um, So, obviously, you know, I didn't know where I would sit. And that, I knew my speed was good because I actually rode, I've been riding a 450 a little bit in the last few years. Like, at the end of the season, I would always just, you know, Instead of riding a 250, I would always just hop on a 450 just because they're a little bit more reliable. And I really like the bike. Um, so I've had some practice on it. And I knew my speed was pretty good on the 450 even um, before I got on the new bike and got testing last winter. I did some testing actually right after the 250 um, outdoor championship was over. Even though we had started Supercross left um, in 20, whenever I won my 2T championship, 2019, I guess it was, I was. Um, I actually got right off the 250 before the Supercross and then just ended up testing for about a week just because I knew I was going for a 50 and I knew the transition, you know, I had a lot of work to do with that bike and get used to it. So I switched right away and did a lot of testing in the off season. So I feel like that helped me get a, a head start on the 2020 season and campaign for the championship. Um, and then I went down south and uh, <laughs> I had a rusty couple weeks the first two weeks on the bike and then we ended up getting a bunch of stuff figured out suspension wise and chassis wise to get me a little bit more comfortable um which was good and then heading into the season i did um i did ride a bunch and test a bunch with colt and honestly we knew my speed was really good um it was just going to come down to like where everybody else was at because we had no idea until about those couple first like you know the two races that go for whatever but it's hard to judge because it's an amateur race at Gopher mm-hmm. <laughs> and Gopher is kind of a different animal than the rest of the series, I guess. Um, so I knew, I knew we were going to be close, but you know, you never really know where you're at until the gate drops. And I know like for me, when the gate drops on national day, it's completely different than when the gate drops on an, another day. And I know a lot of riders are like that too. So you kind of take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but um, yeah, to sort of summarize that, I guess I was surprised a little bit that, I came out swinging that good on the first round. Um, but then after that, I mean, it, right after I won the first round and won all three motos, I guess that kind of set my standard for the rest of the season. Like I didn't want to lose, you know what <laughs> I mean? Cause then your benchmark gets set for the rest of the season. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, for me, it surprised me a little bit, but I knew the team and I were in a super good spot with that bike and our program. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it was, kind of uh expected um for me to you know to go do that right how, um what do you how, how did it feel like i mean the other guys must have just been fuming this new kid comes up and starts uh you know 
winning like that. Did you get a sense of what guys were doing? Was anybody trying to park you in qualifying or practice, or uh, was everybody cool with you? No, honestly, everybody was pretty good. Obviously, like, I'm not a new U.S. guy, I guess, coming up that would um, no one really knows about kind of thing. I've been racing with these guys for a, a long time. Um, yeah, although we were in different classes, but I've obviously we've been at the track and been racing at the same races all together. So I feel like I knew a bunch of the guys and I've, I mean, I have a lot of respect for all the other guys that I race against. So I feel like it kind of was just mutual between everybody for the most part. And, uh, you know, it was, it was actually really cool because I, I ended up actually talking to the guys quite a bit more, like just on the gate, you know, kind of shoot the shit and, goers and stuff and i mean everybody was super nice with me you know i i thought maybe um a few of the guys you know would kind of feel um threatened maybe a little bit that i did win like the first three mm-hmm. but uh but no everybody was super good and i mean that's kind of the way that i am too i mean <laughs> if you win you win if you lose well you got a little bit of work to do right and i mean you're not gonna hold a grudge right okay well yeah now now we got to talk about the one uh i mean I was obviously there and I kind of watched how it all went down and everything that where you and Phil came together as Sandalee there. I mean, maybe, maybe take us through how it happened. And then I thought it was really, I mean, afterwards, obviously I'm pretty sure it must've been in your head for the rest of the race because immediately following it, you came by to kind of check. And I guess obviously tempers were still maybe a little heated. Uh, You wanted to come by and maybe check on them and stuff, but take us through that kind of incident and afterwards and how you and Phil are and stuff like that kind of thing. We actually kind of, became friends i guess i didn't know him that well because i didn't race him uh the last few years so i didn't i didn't really talk to him that much but obviously when you're racing against guy you see a, a lot more of them so and then he was staying up for the series um because obviously with the travel he couldn't go back and forth back to uh the u.s so he was up in canada and i mean we were riding practicing a lot of the same days at some of the same tracks and stuff so we were actually um, kind of became friends, um, throughout the series, even though we were racing against each other and racing hard on the weekend. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Phil. He works really hard on and off the bike, um, which is kind of cool to see. Um, so, you know, um, we were pretty close and I mean, we were racing really hard that day. He, uh, we both had really good speed and we were sprinting at the start of the moto. And, um, so honestly, I was getting a little tired of eating some roost. And I was running out of tear offs a little bit, so I uh I kinda wanted to make a move because um well, one I didn't want to lose and two, I mean he was the next guy in the championship with about six motos to go, right? So you don't wanna let the, that guy get an edge. So I kinda wanted to try and make the pass early early earlier on in that moto and I actually used the line that he did the lap before I went inside outside because I saw that that outside was going to be a good line for the rest of the day and tried it. And then I was actually planning on using that line the second lap to see if I could maybe make it work. And then he actually switched last minute to go to the outside, because I think he thought that I could, I carried more momentum that the lap prior oh, to yeah. the incident. So then I kind of just shot to the inside. I was like, oh, here's my opening, and went. And then I scrubbed the jump um, at the top. And I didn't actually realize... I thought I had the pass made. I, I started, like, kind of talk with the team after. Like, I thought I had the pass made on the inside because I didn't really see him come up the hill. Not that that jump comes up pretty quick, so I didn't have really a lot of time to check left um, to see that I didn't really hear him 
beside me until I kind of looked down because I scrubbed it, but I kind of stayed in the middle of the track a little bit. But the way that jump kind of made, you have so much momentum coming around the outside, like where he was. When he scrubbed, he came right, and then I was drifting a little bit wide towards the middle of the track from the inside. And then we kind of just came together in the middle, um, in the middle there. But it was, I mean, I've talked to him about it. It was a fully, full on like race incident for both of us. And I think it caught us both a little bit off guard. So he'd race like so clean the whole rest of the season that we were kind of just like, holy shit, like this might not end well. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying in the air. <laughs> I was like, this is not good. Cause I kind of looked down and seen him and I tried to shift right as much as I could. So I obviously wouldn't land on him. I just ended up clipping his hand, which sucked because I kind of put him out for the, the last round. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of just an unfortunate incident. Obviously, I don't, I don't want to injure anybody. That's not my intention, but I mean, it's racing and we've, as a racer, I've been on both sides of that. So, um, it kind of, it kind of is what it is, but, um, yeah, him and I were so good. I went actually texted him right after the race to make sure he was good, and he kind of hit me back. He was like at the hospital, just getting a couple of stitches, saying like, "Yeah, yeah, no, all good." And then before the last round on the Sunday, I guess it was, I went over in the morning before riders meeting and whatever, just seen him, see his staying in a camper and stuff. And so was I at the track, so I just went over and we shot the shit about it, and you know, kind of cleared everything up, and we were all good. And you know, he congratulated me on the championship and. We had a few drinks the night after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really, uh, really big of him there at uh, on the podium down there to come down and congratulate you there, Sandley. That was a uh, that was a pretty classy move on his part, I thought for sure. Like classy, you know, down to earth guy. Um, you know, he grew up like upstate New York, and and uh, you know he's he gets it. He knows it's racing. I, you know, him and I kind of get it. It's, it's racing. Shit happens on the track, but I feel like for me, like off the track as long as like someone respects me i mean i'm i'm good if you know if you run me deep in a corner i get it it's it's racing it mm -hmm. happens um and i feel like we're both kind of have that mentality where we're able to leave you know what happens on the track on the track and you know kind of ride together during the week and not you know hold the grudge nice nice okay so you took the so you're that's so well, that's cool that's all i mean that's good to hear that uh you both you guys kind of understood that obviously nobody's trying to do something like that it's just uh unfortunate the way it came together like that but uh so then so you got the motocross title we move on to supercross you didn't get the supercross title no no i didn't unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> take us through a bit of the uh supercross season there yeah so supercross it was okay for me i guess it was all right um i would like to have a little bit better result but after the motocross championship it came up pretty quick um for me i actually went home for a few days to you know kind of reset after the motocross stuff and then i went to go for the practice but the, the, we didn't really have a track to ride too too much down there because Diggs was actually getting it ready for the supercross series that was going to start um so we basically were just we tested a little bit i may have rode supercross maybe like three times three maybe four times max before um the series and last time i rode supercross was actually at carmichael's in march so um, not a, i didn't have a lot of time on it but i guess neither did anybody else except cole 
because Cole would ended up getting sick or injured or uh, whatever he kind of had going on. So he was actually riding it for like six weeks prior to it. So he had a little bit more time. So I knew he was going to be, he was going to be a little bit tougher to beat because he'd be, been testing for a while. Um, but I mean, no excuses on our part. We, we did everything we could. We went out testing every time I went out, I was testing some new stuff and, um, I feel like it was good, but I, in the back of my mind, I, all I, I kind of had a pretty decent points gap and motocross is more important for me, um, than the supercross stuff, um, at the moment in Canada right now. So a lot of our time and money, I guess, on the team is spent, um, you know, going for that motocross championship. And, um, obviously we want to win the supercross, but I feel like we were just maybe a little bit underprepared going in. Um, which is okay. I, I was okay with that. Um, compared to, I mean, we were underprepared compared to Cole, but we were on the same playing field as Phil and all the other, well, I guess Phil was injured at that point, but all the other guys like T-Dags and Dirk and all the other guys we were racing against. So I, I feel like in that sense, we were kind of on the same playing field, but for me, like winning the outdoor championship was more important. So I wasn't riding super cross between the weeks heading into the end of the season where Maybe if I wanted to really make a big run for that Supercross championship, I would have, you know, maybe switched that up and rode Supercross between one day of outdoor before the last round so we'd have more time. But I guess that's kind of where it gets tricky, right? Because you don't want to get injured before the last round riding Supercross, but you want to get prepared. So it's it's kind of just a choice that you have to make a little bit. And I made the choice to be not underprepared, but not uh, – not as prepared as I guess um, I could have been, um, but you know, it. Uh, I wanted that outdoor championship, so that was kind of what was on my mind. And then I right after that kind of reset and get into Supercross. So it took me a few days, but you know, we we made it work. And I actually won the second race at the first round, which was kind of which was kind of cool. I didn't. I won the Supercross on the 250, um, not the championship, but some races. And, you know, I wanted to win at least a couple on the, on the 450. And I think that's kind of what this year I'm going to have to put a little bit more time prior to the Supercross season if I want to make a run at that championship, like a, a legit run. So, um, yeah, so it went okay. And then I ended up getting injured at the end and not racing the last round, but, uh, yeah, it was okay. I had a few good motives, a few stuff that I know I need to work on for this year. Okay, now, now the, all the guys except Cole that we talked about, we're talking Phil, uh, Matt Gerke, Tyler Medallia, these guys are no longer going to be up here kind of on a consistent basis anymore. So that leaves kind of you, Cole Thompson, and your old nemesis from the 250 class, Jess Pettis, moving up. So what, uh, heading in, like, do you think there's going to be, a, I mean, obviously we're losing three top, top riders. What uh, What are you thinking about the 2021 season? I think it's going to be good, honestly. Obviously, losing the OTSMF team isn't ideal. Um, they always had a good lineup, but I'm, I'm, Sean will be riding for MX101, which is right. which is cool. He he'll be good there. He'll find a good home, and I know he'll he'll be looking, you know, to go for that championship. I know he's been improving the last couple of years, so he, you know, he'll be he'll be a top guy and. And then I think Marshall's riding the 450 for Cowie, so he'll be he'll be good as well. Like you say, I mean, going back, I, Jess will be good. He'll, he'll be coming off an injury a little bit, but he'll be he'll be good. He's always been. I know he rides the 450 good too. I've seen him ride the 450, so 
Um, for me, I guess nothing really changes from last year. You know, I kind of just go in with the same mentality. Obviously, I'll have the number one on my bike for outdoors, but for me, that doesn't, it doesn't change. It doesn't change a thing in my program or the way, you know, the team goes about our stuff. Um, you know, I feel like it's kind of just hit the reset button after last year and try and go do it all over again the same way. Um, we had a good season. The bike, our bike was good. I feel like my fitness and everything was good. So, Kind of just, I'm just going to try and mimic what uh, we did last year and maybe improve on a few things that, uh, looking back at the season, uh, there's a few things I think I can improve on. And, uh, you know, try and improve a little bit and keep, uh, just keep chugging along and try and go for a championship number two, I guess. I know the com- competition is going to be good. It's always good. And then people are going to want that number one plate. So I'm going to have to do everything I can to, to keep it on the bike. And, you know, that's kind of, what I've been doing the last few months, just preparing and, uh, you know, getting ready to do my best to defend that thing. Right. And I guess I should have, uh, yeah, I guess we're losing those three guys, but uh, you mentioned the the other guys were picking up Marshall Welton, I should have mentioned as well, moving up to the 450s, and then Sean Moffenbach. Yeah, Sean just keeps improving, which uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by, but it, uh, I'm surprised by it. <laughs> Obi is now, but yeah, a lot of guys have kind of plateau um you know mid to late 20s but sean you know even last year i feel like towards the end like he was he was coming on like yeah. he was coming on strong yeah. which is which is good to see because sean is always i mean he he works really hard at it and he puts his blood sweat and tears like a lot of us do into it so i mean it's it's good to see him get some results too him and i've been really close for a lot of years um even goes back to like my first couple of years pro where I was actually riding with him out in California. So him and I have uh, have been really close on and off the track. I feel like we always have run-ins on the track every year. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, and he's a great guy too. So it's nice to see, um, to see him continue improving. I feel like he's kind of like one of like, like Marv or someone like that. He, you know, just always just keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit closer to that championship. So he's, he's, uh, he's definitely a guy. He's a veteran. He know he knows what to do, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so well, that's all. so. Anyway, the important other thing is that you took the triple crown title, so uh, and got some cash. You got that cash in your pocket. Dylan. Yes. <laughs> I say, do you have that uh, triple crown money in your pocket? Uh, what do you do with the money? Yeah, I don't have a comment on that. <laughs> oh, that's oh, geez. Okay, sorry. That's. That's why it went quiet there. I'm sorry. I thought I lost you there. Okay. Um, okay. Moving on. Um, so a lot of people are thinking you went down south right now to hurry up and get ready for the Daytona Supercross, but I don't think that's the case. Daytona, anyways. I, I've i actually been trying to go south for a little bit now. Um, obviously, like all the other years, normally I would try and go mid to late January, but with COVID, it's kind of been a struggle to get bikes and parts like everybody's going through it even down here um with honda and stuff i mean we have some con- like pretty close contact with like the honda team and stuff down here and it's not been easy and i mean canada's always a little bit behind the ball from the u.s um on you know bikes and parts and all that fun stuff because well we're just we're just a smaller country so um which is okay but i know that production for everything basically worldwide has kind of been a little bit slower than normal so you know we just 
I wanted to make sure that uh, Honda was good. So we, I talked with the team, obviously, throughout the offseason. I wanted to make sure everything was good on our end and everything's good. We got our bikes and everything. So we were just waiting on a couple parts and some uh, few maps and stuff to kind of get going down south. So we got our bikes a couple weeks ago. Justin was busy building them and getting them prepped for me to come down. And then I actually left the shop a few days ago with bikes and stuff. And I didn't know if they were going to let me across the border or not. I kind of, I called the border to make sure I could get across. They said, yes, I showed up the other yesterday, two days ago, I guess at the border. And they were like, I don't know if you're going to make it through. So I, <laughs> I had to talk to the manager at the border and kind of explain like, Hey, here's my deal. This is what I'm doing. I will let you decide if it's essential or not. <laughs> yeah. hmm. I mean, at that point, what do you do? So, right. um, I was, I was actually lucky enough. I got across and then, you know, I just got down here, got set up and I'll be on the bike for the first time today. So, yeah, not enough time to get ready for Daytona. Not that it was in my, um, you know, it wasn't in my plans to do it um, either this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get back on the bike, but unfortunately won't be racing Daytona. It's a race that I'd like to do in the future, but I'll need to come down early and make sure that I'm fully prepared. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go line up if I'm not 100% ready to go. Um so, yeah, unfortunately not this year, but maybe in the next couple of years, I'd like to try and figure something out to come do a few Supercross races. But like I like I tell everybody, I'm not coming down and going to half-ass it. If I'm doing it, I'm going to, you know, be a guy that's going to compete in the main event. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole Supercross. Gotcha, gotcha. Of course, I was going to ask you about that, the future. That, uh, But that is still something that interests you. Obviously, you just said it is. So uh, you do want to come down and take a run at some uh, maybe the East would you stay 450, I guess, now at this point in your career? Yeah. Yeah. Even though the 450 class is, I mean, it's tougher, right? Um, we all see that, that, you know, the 250 class is a little bit easier. It's split into two. It would kind of be um, a little bit easier for for a guy like me, you know, like just getting into Supercross. I haven't done that many, but I'm not going to switch bikes and then switch back um, for the Canadian stuff. I feel like that's not fair for the team that the the global vision of our team um i it's not i don't know personally i don't think it's fair for them if i put a bunch of time into a 250 and then have to switch back for the 450 i mean i dedicate myself 100 percent to our team and going to win for them um and i just need to make sure that whatever i do even if i want to race down here that it still um it benefits me um for what i'm doing to fulfill my contract up in Canada. And I feel like a lot of people um, respect me for that, but some people are kind of like, oh, I wish he, you know, he would just kind of say, you know, screw it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it, you know, kind of for myself. But um, I mean, I'm at the point in my career where I need to, you know, I kind of made my decision that um, if a the opportunity comes up in the U S maybe I'll, I, I take it, but I'm not, I'm not actively searching for, a new ride down south i'm pretty good with where i'm at with the team and uh honda and everything up in canada so it's for me it's it's you know i dedicate myself to our team and fulfilling the job and the task that we have at hand uh before i do any extracurricular stuff you know gotcha speaking of extracurricular what what year was that i mean you did the ricky carmichael supercross there at daytona a few years back when was that gosh yeah that was man that's been a while uh probably 2013 or 14 when I was riding for Kev. Um, I did that because I was down with Kale. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Foster as my mechanic, and he it was something we kind of both prepared for. I went to Alessi's a little bit to ride um, prior to it, but um, yeah, I didn't do very hot that weekend though. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, that was uh, 2013, 14, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, uh, now, okay, we got we. I, I guess I haven't actually asked you where where are you right now. Yeah, so I actually just got down south right yesterday, and I'm actually at club. Um, I've never been here prior to the season, but I was looking at a few different options for the season. Obviously, I would have liked to go back with Jeannie at the Carmichael Farm, but then they obviously sold it to Star. Yamaha, so that option kind of went out the window, but I knew this since about November because I talked to Jeannie somewhat often. You know, she nice. stays in contact with me with the how my racing was going and stuff. And, you know, I, she's an awesome woman and so is Big Rick. Um, great people. So, you know, I've kind of stayed in contact with them. Um, I mean, maybe I end up working with her down the road, um, but it won't be, unfortunately, it won't be this year because just too much change going on over there. Um, and then I was actually looking for uh, a guy to ride with because Tanner ended up getting knee surgery. He posted, uh, everybody would have seen it. He posted on his Instagram and stuff. He just got like his knee scoped a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be off the bike for a couple of weeks. So I needed to come down and ride with somebody, um, you know. So I actually reached out to Phil um, to see what uh he was doing because i know that he's racing outdoors in the u.s this year so i reached out to phil um like i said it didn't end well on the motocross season but our friendship's still pretty good so i reached out to him to see um what he kind of had going on and he was kind of looking for uh, a couple guys to ride with too to prepare for outdoors um so that's kind of how it all all went down and then he actually called the team looking for someone right as i was contacting him looking for someone to ride with and uh, it kind of all just worked out. And then I texted Brandon from um, club to, you know, see if they had any spots and if it would all work out fine. And we ended up um, coming up with a deal and stuff and ended up working good for me and good for those guys, I think, too. And I think it, uh, I think it'll be good. It, it, it should benefit both Bill and I. And I think Marshall's here, too. So it should be good. Have get to ride with uh, get to ride with some guys. It's tough to find guys right now because everybody's training for Supercross. Yeah, true. And I guess, um, yeah, and I guess, um, well, you got Jake Piccolo there too. You got Daniel Elmore. You got some, you got some Canadians, uh, Canadian license plates to look at maybe. Or I guess maybe they probably flew, but, uh, you got some Canadian accents to listen to. Piccolo yet. Um, but yeah, I know he's here riding. I've seen on his uh, Instagram stuff that he was, he was down here riding. So yeah, it should be kind of a good, uh, good little group of guys. Um, should be fun. Uh, hopefully the track gets rough and gnarly because, that's what I like training on. So, uh, yeah, it should be good. And, uh, um, the fish lovely looks awesome. Actually, I haven't, I, like I said, I've never been here, so it, uh, it's looking pretty good. And then I was talking to Brandon about their supercross team and stuff too. So he's pretty stoked about how they're doing with March bags and stuff. So, um, you know, when everybody's, when everybody's happy, generally good stuff happens. So it's, uh, you know, it should be good. Yeah, that that place has just gone uh, just gone through the roof lately with the improvements to the facility and everything there. So yeah, certainly a good place to be. And they obviously Club MX and Direct Motocross have their DMX Total Devotion Award for the Trans Can. So we've got a nice tight relationship with the guys there. It's uh, 
we always appreciate them. But so does that mean you're in on the program, like the food, the training, and everything with the uh, with the the group? Sort of, not really. <laughs> I I I like I enjoy cooking, so I just I did not on in on the the uh, food program or whatever. But um, I'm gonna do the on bike stuff um, a little bit with those guys, but kind of do my own program too, which kind of works for me. So I kind of come up like I'll jump in when I. When I have some drills or something to do, I'll jump in with those guys. But then I, I'm also a moto guy. I like to moto a lot and do long motos. So, um, kind of works out that I'll be half and half, but not on their fitness program either because I've worked with my trainer, Rob Moulin, since I was about nine or 10 years old, I guess. Um, so, um, we have a program that works for me. So I'm not, uh, I'm not going to change anything. It's, uh, worked for me the last few years and throughout my career so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump ship and change any of that i'm just gonna do my own uh my own gym program and stuff but still ride with their group of guys kind of thing so it's kind of like a hybrid i guess that i'm doing but it's a program my program has worked for me in the past so i'm not you know i don't want to change everything and start from scratch so yeah Okay. Hey, I'll ask you this too. Everybody makes uh, such a big deal about the all new 2021 Honda 450. Uh, you know, in fact, some guys aren't even riding it in Supercross and stuff like that. What? What? Uh, obviously, you've got the new bike, and what's uh, what? I guess I mean, what is so different about it? And are you are you going to gel with it, or how how much time do you you know? What do you think about that bike for this year? Obviously, you know, coming off a championship. Um... I was like, I was like, uh oh, like, is this gonna go good? Um, but it actually, so I've talked to the guys in the U.S. It actually fixes a lot of stuff that I was going in the direction trying to make the bike act more like this bike this year. Okay. Um, just with some parts there and some modifications that we were doing on the bike last year. Um, so that being said, I think that this bike should fit what i was looking what i was searching for almost last year um it should be like that right off the bat or close so i'm excited to try it um obviously with a new bike comes you know some new um some new settings and some more testing and extra testing i have a base setting i'm basically um put on that i think will work um good to start off with but i mean you never really know until you ride the bike so Excited to try that, but like I said, I think the changes that they made were the changes that I felt needed to be done to that motorcycle. So that's good for me, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say what changed the chassis change, which is the biggest thing, the frame for me, um, the frame change. So I gotta, I, <laughs> I gotta figure out what works, what's not with offset on triple clamps. And I was actually running a different tire last year. So then I got to, I got to figure out what tire I'm going to run and, and uh, what sprockets I want to run on that chassis to see kind of where I like that chassis to set. Cause I'm a guy that once I get a good setting in the spring or during the winter, um, I stick with it most of the summer. I don't vary from that setting too, too much. You hear a lot of guys in supercross or outdoor us, you know, they completely change a bunch of stuff every race, but I'm pick more of like a Zach Osborne, approach where you have a good setting you stick with it because you know it works and you kind of just make small changes here and there um, to adapt it to a different track so that's kind of my my perspective on it it seems to work for me I know it doesn't work for other guys but um, 
yeah, so I just kind of got to work towards a good setting that I like um, heading into the season. And other than that, it should be good. I mean, the the engine is a little bit different, but not um, like the power delivery didn't change too, too much. I, they just upgraded a few parts um, in the engine. And that's a more better question for Justin, because I, I am, I don't know. I'll, like, I know that it hasn't changed right. drastically on the like horsepower and the power delivery and everything because it worked fairly well. Um, but we change a lot of the maps and stuff on the bike to get it to act the way I want it to. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it should be good. I got I'm going to have to start from scratch, build new maps, build new suspension settings and everything. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. It'll, you know, keeps the mind working. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you there by yourself? Like, who's going to be, are you just going to be messing with these changes yourself until you guys actually go testing with the team? Or how is it working down there for you, like, with all that kind of stuff? Obviously, in the past, I'd have Justin or Colt come down for a week or two kind of thing. But for this year, it's just to get across the border is kind of a pain in the butt, right? So, yeah. um, and I, I had to come down a little bit later, too. So it's not, you know, it's okay um, like that. But, it's a bunch of changes that I can do myself. And I mean, I, I'm in good contact with those guys if I ever have any questions. So it's, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's a little bit more work on my plate, but I'm, you know, more than willing to do it. it I'm staying at a facility that there, you know, there's moto and there's shop work and there's a gym. So that basically is all I have to do. So, um, you know, I'll be putting a little bit of extra work in on the bikes, but, uh, you know, it's something that I, I, I'm able to do and I've done in the past. I'm a guy that likes to know how the motorcycle is built and how everything is put together. So if I do have an issue, I kind of know where to point the fingers at. And like, I don't know if a lot of people know, but I can pretty much rebuild my bike. Um, I just don't screw with transmission. That's about the only thing I don't touch, nice. but the rest I can do. I can do pistons and, you know, I can even work through even putting a crank in if I absolutely had to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so my mechanic skills are actually fairly decent. Oh, see, there you go. That's, uh, that's important. That's uh, obviously comes in helpful in these, uh, these times right now. Hey, what do you, what do you got down there? A mountain bike or a road bike? I've got both. Uh, I got mountain bike and road bike, um, Marin bikes, obviously. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know what there is a lot around here. I know there's some mountain bike stuff and obviously there's roads to road bike on, but I've, been getting out of the road bike game a little bit because I've gotten hit a few times and it's <laughs> not exactly fun. Um, so I brought my road bike, but I probably just end up doing more spinning on it on my trainer than anything. Um, yeah, I think they've got some. They've got I some mountain the bike trails there. Sketchy. Sorry, they've got mountain bike trails there. I believe they uh, put in some kind of loops and stuff. Yeah, they've got a little bit. I was talking to Brandon about it, and then he was saying that sometimes they will organize like a group ride on Wednesday or something and go um, closer to Charlotte and do some trails there, which should be cool. Um, I'm into it. I like mountain biking. I like well, I like biking in general, um, which is which is kind of like a big part of my program actually. So um, should be fun. I just kind of gotta get the lay of the land and see where everything's at here. I'm used to being in the Cairo area, so um, just kind of gotta see where everything's at and you know, kind of get going on that probably this week. Uh, but I mean, I know a bunch of guys here, so everybody, everybody kind of knows where everything's at. So it should, uh, shouldn't be too big of a problem. All right, cool. Well, Hey, I won't talk. I mean, I told you, I told you we wouldn't be done this in 20 minutes. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, I want to ask you, you're, you're, you're engaged now. You tell, tell, how did you, uh, how did you pop the question to Jade, by the way? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm engaged. I guess I did it actually at Gopher, not last year, but the year before. Um, cause that's kind of where we met for the first time. She came and watched one of my races and stuff. And then, um, year after I did it at Gopher, right after I won the race, um, <laughs> on the 2D there. Um, so yeah, we were actually supposed to get married last summer after Walton. But obviously with COVID, we couldn't make it happen. So we pushed it back a year and hopefully we can make it happen this year. But I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to, wanted to throw that in there for sure. But hey, now, will you be doing any uh, preseason races? Do you have anything planned? I mean, I mean, again, the schedule is kind of depends on that, I guess. But uh, is your plan to do some races before the season starts? You know me, I'm not scared to... Uh... I'm not scared to go, you know, drop the gate and get some laps in. I feel like it actually helped me a little bit last year. So, um, yeah, I'll probably do some. I just don't know. Yeah, like you said, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like with, um, even I would even be open to do some Quebec provincials prior to the season and some of the Ontario stuff with Galby. I know I'll be at Gopher quite a bit testing and training, um, with the teams. So, I mean, obviously if there's a Gopher race and we're off, you can pretty much probably bet on that I'm going to be racing that one or even Walton because it's close to Gopher if I'm in that area. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I haven't looked too much at Gully's schedule compared to ours, but I'm assuming we'll probably be able to race a couple, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of would be my plan because we almost use it as a small testing day for um, bikes and Justin normally comes and uh, works that day and we just kind of use it to get ready. Obviously, we don't go like full on with pit boards and all that at those races. Um, like some other people do, but you know, we, we use the day as more of a testing day to, you know, try something on the motorcycle in a race scenario. And I mean, sometimes it's not always, it's not always the right move, but we, we go to try it or, or we have something that we don't know is going to work. And, you know, we're kind of on the fence of if we use it as a, at a national or something, we'll, you know, we'll try it that day. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, but for us, it's nothing gained, nothing lose. So, uh, nothing lost. So, um, in that aspect, I think it's good because we do get to try some stuff in a race pace scenario. Um, so yeah, I'll probably do a few. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was, a pre I, I'm impressed by that. And I appreciate the fact that guys like you and Tyler Medallia, you'll go, I mean, I always tell people this too, like the mental side of it is you go out, you race. If you get beat, you get beat, and then you work on it. And, and the important part is the pro is you know you're the series you're after, but you're out there learning. And some people are afraid to go out. And what happens if they don't have a good race? And it's like, hey man, that's just what happens. You just go out and you 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 go out there and you race and you try to learn from it, right? So I, I appreciate the fact that you guys you know guys like you will do that. And you're not afraid to. Yeah, I think it, it you know for us it helps a little bit. You know, a couple of gate drops prior to the season two. I mean, there are like. I mean, at the one race last year, I think it was me, Thompson, Moffenbauer, a gainer, like a bunch of a bunch of guys. Even I think Phil was there, but I think he raced. I think he was just there hanging out. But um, you know, it's it's good for us too because we get to race each other. But you're actually, you know, if you're if those guys are there, you're actually pushing race pace, which is good for testing too. Exactly. Um, so I think for me, it's actually it's like it's almost beneficial. And I'm like, like you say, I'm not scared if I. Especially at those races, if you get beat, you get beat. It's not uh, it's not the end of the world, but it also 
you know, for our sport to grow the amateur side, it also did. If we show up, you know, the kids, the kids see um, us at their races, which is, you know, cool for them. And uh, we, I, I'm all about trying to grow the sport and make it better for everybody, not just the pros. Um, so, you know, if, if I can do that uh, a little bit, you know, if I can improve the sport a little bit along my career and my journey in motocross, um, great. That's kind of, that's kind of what my goal is to just see if I can improve it just a little bit. And, you know, if I, if I can do that, great. If not, well, it's, it's life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. Well, well, just uh, one last kind of thing here. What do you have a set, uh, return home date or are you just kind of playing it by the weather or what, uh, how long will you be down there? It by the weather and play it by year with what the team uh, has scheduled in April. Um, so I obviously I just got here. I'll be here for at least a month for sure. I was talking to them here probably six weeks, but honestly it'll be weather and team dependent. Kind of see where we're at and um, kind of see where I'm at with the new bike and if I need to go back and do testing with the team and to get anything um, super dialed in or not um that's kind of just playing it by year honestly i don't have a set schedule it's, it's like that every year when i go down um some guys like to run on a set schedule whereas i kind of just i run with what works and what makes sense you know if uh the team needs me back for you know april 10th then i'll be back for april 10th if the weather's shit and there's still snow on the ground then i'll be back in may <laughs> but uh i kind of just i just go with what i think's better for my um, my racing and stuff. I don't, I don't fly by a, a normal schedule. And I normally don't during the season either. Like if a Sandalee opens up for a Tuesday practice and I wasn't absolutely planning on going to that, I'll change my schedule around to go do it. If I think it's going to benefit me, I, uh, I just try and do everything I can to be, um, the best on the weekend. Nice. All right. Well, Hey, I, uh, man, I appreciate you taking all this time with us here to chat and stuff. Hey, what, uh, what is your go-to, uh, dinner? What do you, what, what do you, what do you like to make? What's the, what's your go-to food? Um, I've had a couple different things this off season. Obviously I've been home a lot and I was doing a bunch of home renovations. So I was home a lot. Um, but honestly my all time thing is chicken parm. I, I have a recipe that my mom makes. That is really, really good. That's kind of my go-to thing with like a, an Alfredo pasta on the side, nice. which is dialed. Um, so that's kind of my go-to. Carb up on those days, though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, again, like I say, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you got to, uh, man, you're going to be out there on the bike. What's the weather like? Last week, but I think it was like 16 or 17 degrees yesterday and sunny. So, nice. I mean, a lot better than where I left. Quebec, where it was <laughs> minus 15, so I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, no, the weather's good. It's, uh, it's looking so, like, I mean, this year down here, you know, it always warms up around this time of year. It goes from, you know, a little bit colder, and then it, you know, it's springtime down here now, so it'll, it starts warming up pretty quick. Nice, nice. Yeah, I spent quite a bit of time down there. There's not a, not a ton of choice for restaurants and things like that, but I mean, there's the grocery. No. I went to, there's the meal, the meal girl here actually has a restaurant in town that Kale was showing me last night because I came in and didn't have, I didn't have a lot of uh, options food wise. So he, we actually went out to her little restaurant that she makes everything by hand. Like oh, everything's nice. like fully made um, from scratch. So that was pretty cool. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, I was always trying to find. Uh, I, I, my thing is finding a good place for a grease, a little greasy spoon for breakfast, and I didn't, uh, didn't really find a good sit down. Yeah, spoon. yeah. There's not much in that little town. Um, not much. Not much <laughs> going on up there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, again, thank you very much. Good luck with the, you know, the the preseason testing and training. Say hey to the guys there, Ben and Brandon, and the guys there, and uh, the Canadians. Have some fun and. Uh, Will do. Yeah, hey man, and before we let you go, who but uh, who would you like to thank? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh I I'd, I'd like to thank obviously my team, uh Honda Canada, GDR Fox Racing, um all our sponsors that are back on board this year, you know, Works Connection Pro Circuit, um Henson, um Apple View, uh Chevrolet. If anybody's looking for a truck, I know he's got good deals on right now. So, um <laughs> Humber View. And the Applewood Group, um, they're awesome guys down there. So anybody's looking for a new vehicle, he's awesome to deal with. Um, and you know, just everybody that supports the team. And I know Derek's still working on a few things for this year. So um, anybody, anybody looking uh, looking to support? And I mean, we're always uh, we're always open to suggestions too. And but all <laughs> our sponsors, obviously, I couldn't do it without them. They are a huge part of our program and just Derek for all the work that he's done in the off season and Justin for grinding it out through the winter. <laughs> I know the winter is tough sometimes and Colt and SSS and Joe, all those guys there for working with me and getting my setup on the new bike and everything's pretty, uh, pretty close to where we should be for the season. So thanks to all those guys and all the fans and everything beyond being patient for me getting back on the bike and, um, looking forward to the season and uh, hopefully we can get some fans out to the races this year because obviously that's kind of a, a fun part of my job and seeing everybody and our sport. So, um, yeah, I can't thank everybody enough for helping me out and the board security for letting me through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I should be down in Florida right now and I was talking to someone who said, Hey man, just go to the border and uh, it just depends on who you get. I'm like, Yeah, I can't, I can't take that chance. That's. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's dicey. Yeah. All right, sure. Dylan. Well, again, thank you very much. Good luck. Have fun getting on the bike down there, and uh, we will see you somewhere soon. The chat. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Yes, yeah, sir. Have a good one. Bye bye.